It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Okay, Buckeye Talk is here. Hey, everybody, Doug Lee Maurice, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, your Ohio State coverage team from Cleveland.com. It's our Friday podcast. Ohio State, Michigan heavy, Ohio State Big Ten heavy. We did a lot of SEC stuff on the Thursday pod. We're actually recording this back to back. We just finished the Thursday pod, and I am on like a dopamine high. I walked upstairs to see my family from my basement, and I said, like, man, we just had a good fight on the podcast. And my wife was like, I know. We heard it. I like it. <laughs> up. You guys like the fights, or do you just wonder why I start screaming at everyone? My fiance thinks that you have the loudest voice of any human being on the planet, and she's never even heard the fights. She's yeah. just heard you speak. Oh, yeah. Very loud. I can also clap really loud. That was a bad one. That yeah, was I'm very loud. That was a bad clap. That was a bad. I missed the pocket. You got to get it to the air pocket. Ah, I'll work on it later. We'll do a whole podcast of me clapping. But do you like you- it? I'm like, my juices are flowing still. I can feel the energy surging through my body. You guys aren't like it was. That. It was a good tussle. No, it was a good. It was a good verbal, uh, mental tussle. I, I hope we can uh, bring that out of us uh, on a more regular basis. Because it's not personal, and it's like not made up. That's the thing that I like about it. Is like we just happen to disagree on something. Um, but I hate made up fights. Like whatever you know, when they're on TV and people are like choosing a side they don't believe in. But when we naturally arrive at a disagreement, woo! What's better than that? That's hot stuff, Mama. Stevens, you like? I mean, like, come on now, right? Yeah, it was a great discussion. It was just, I don't know if I didn't like walk outside to my roommate who just walked in the door from his long day of work and go, man, we just had a nice long fight oh. about so I go Ohio upstairs. State. So I hope you guys listen to the Thursday pod. If you didn't listen to it, go back and listen to it. The, the fight was over the idea of what would it take for Ryan Day to fall out of favor? How many losses in 2020? Would, would the fall out of favor was the suggestion. So Nathan and Steven both said three losses, and I was aghast at that. I thought more like six. So I went up and I explained it to my wife and my oldest daughter, what the fight was about. I'm all juiced up. And I asked them what their answer would be. And they both said three losses. So (laughs) so anyway, so I might be wrong here, which which is 
I'm is glad some to be of, wrong. But is some of that because you've been yelling, you yelled nine and three for three months that it's now embedded into their brain that nine and three is terrible when it comes to Ohio State? Possible. Yes, I think there are things that like seep into their subconscious because I'm just yelling. I don't yell at them. I'm a nice husband and father. You yell around them. I yell. There's a lot of yelling around in the Marie's household for sure. So anyway, I hope you listen to the Thursday pod. This is the Friday pod. Bunch of questions again. We're going to rip through them. I don't think we'll stop and have long arguments. We're not going to have a big thing at the end like Alabama Clemson. But I do want to say this. There might be people who are listening to this for the first time because our numbers are up. Cleveland.com and our company is committed to this podcast. They're now running ads on social media. They were sending me some ads and saying, what do you think of this ad? And I said, well, maybe do this or whatever. So appreciative that they're supporting it. We're, we're growing. We're growing. We were great already. We're growing more. So you might be new to this. You might be listening to this for the first or second time. Some of you were listening to this like for the 500th time, and we love you. But we love the newbies too. So I asked our loyal tech subscribers, for slogans for Buckeye Talk, for taglines. If you haven't really listened before and you're wondering what's up, we're going to drop in some taglines during the podcast so you get a sense of what goes on here. Although I would imagine for the first four minutes, you might have a sense. So we're going to run through the questions from the tech subscribers. If you want to be able to ask us questions, help shape the pod, be a friend, be a friend. And by be a friend, we mean give us money. 614-350-3315. Send a text to that number and you will get a way to sign up right back in your phone. 14-day free trial, $3.99 a month. Read cleveland.com slash OSU. Drop a review at Apple Podcasts. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss a single Buckeye talk. Number one, a lot of Ohio State, Michigan in this one. From the 706, how about Urban Meyer and Jim Harbaugh play the golf match with Tiger and Phil with me taking Charles Barkley's spot on TV, I would ask all the off-the-wall questions. I don't know. First of all, did you guys watch Tom Brady and Peyton Manning play golf with Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods? I saw some of the highlights, but no, I don't like golf enough to sit down and just watch it. Did you watch it, Nathan? I, d- I didn't. I rarely watch golf under any circumstances. Unless I want a nap, then that's the perfect thing to put on. Yeah, that's good. I like golf, but I like like golf that matters. And I'm not so sports starved yet that I'll, I'll just watch anything. I know a lot of people are at that point. They'll just watch any kind of competition, um, which is great. I'm glad people love sports. That's why we have jobs. I'm not at that point, so I didn't watch it. What would Urban Meyer and Jim Harbaugh on the golf course together be like? Can you even fathom it? Would it be entertaining or would it just be like watching Two dudes who don't like each other be forced to hang out. Steven, what, would you want to see Urban and Harbaugh out there with Tiger and Phil? Okay, no, I would not. And because the caveat is also you are taking Charles Barkley's spot. And the problem is it's nothing against you at all. It's nothing. It's actually, it's, this is, this, feels I had to think about this. No, it's not. Here's the, because I actually have seen it before. I have witnessed live in person what an interaction between Doug LaMaurice and Jim Harbaugh and it looks like and how it goes. And the way you think it's going to go in your head is the polar opposite of how it's going to go in real life. You think it's going to be entertaining. It's not because Doug didn't ask good questions. He asked very good questions. It's because, as Doug has already mentioned, Jim Harbaugh is weird. And so he turns a very simple interaction between a media member and a coach into a very awkward and weird moment for everybody around you. And so we all – 
stood because we were all standing while he sat up on the, on the platform at Big Ten Media Days. A little, a little excited to see how this was going to go, and it didn't live up to any of the hype because Jim Harbaugh didn't allow it to live up to any of the hype. I will say, in my defense, and you were not privy to this, that was the sequel. That was my sequel okay. of a showdown with Jim Harbaugh. The first one was good. <laughs> like a lot of things, the sequel did not live up to the first one. The first one was after that summer where he had like criticized Gene Smith kind of out of nowhere and was kind of coming at people. And I was like, he's taking shots at everybody. So like, I'm going to say to his face, I'm going to take shots to his face and be like, what is your deal? Uh, and that was, that was off the hook. That was like, I, that was good. Um, but it is, it can turn to your point, Steven, you don't know how a Jim Harbaugh interaction is going to go because it can turn awkward and grating and uncomfortable immediately. And like, you're not necessarily in control of it. He's in control of it. So Nathan, Nathan, do you want to see Jim Harbaugh on a golf course with Urban Meyer or no? I think watching Jim Harbaugh interact with pretty much any other adult is potentially fascinating, isn't it? And well, especially someone yes. like Urban Meyer. <laughs> like if you were to like like mic them up, or maybe not even it almost have to be secret. So I think maybe Harbaugh would if if I don't or maybe not. Because there there just is something about I don't I don't look at Harbaugh with the same villainy that some other people do, even sometimes people who are otherwise neutral to the relationship um with Michigan. But I he he is kind of fascinating to me, and I I think of of Urban and everybody who is who has ascended to his level has to have some some ego and some of that kind of you know working in his favor, but but I still feel at the end of the day he's a pretty well adjusted person who can just have normal conversations, and I don't know if I believe that about Jim Harbaugh, and to watch those two kind of stand side by side for eighteen holes, if that would kind of be my caveat, that has to be the interaction. Like I want to see those two guys like in a cart together for the whole day or for the whole round or, you know, or pushing, pushing their stuff next to each other. Like they have to kind of stand, it'd almost be funner. Like I'd almost rather watch Urban Meyer caddy for Jim Harbaugh or something. Like I want to see the interaction between those two. It can't just be that they're both out on the course at the same time and they can go both go stand on opposite corners of the, or opposite ends of the green and never have to interact. Like there has to be interaction. Yeah, just because you're competing against somebody doesn't mean you have to talk to them. I agree with that 100%. I think, like, Urban and Nick Saban would be interesting. I think Urban and Dabo would be interesting. I think there are people where it would be interesting that it's not like they're necessarily friends, but they can be competitors. They they, they clearly are rivals. Um, I don't think Urban and Harbaugh would be interesting because – and I've told this story before, but it's just so clear in my mind still. There was a a recruiting camp in Detroit um, the summer after Jim Harbaugh took over at Michigan. And Urban Meyer, Jim Harbaugh, and Mark D'Antonio were all there because it was all the, all these great players from the Detroit area. And the, the people in charge of the camp like had such power, they made these guys do a news conference together in the summer, which was amazing. Um, and it was weird and awkward and fascinating. And then when it was over, Urban and D'Antonio and Harbaugh all left, and they were walking out to the fields to watch the kids. And Harbaugh like walked by himself like 10 steps ahead of Urban and D'Antonio. And it was like Urban and D'Antonio were hanging out. They were talking, you know, they were interacting normally. And Harbaugh was not. And Harbaugh is the kind of guy, it's like he's the fish you drop in the fish tank and every other fish has to react to it. But just not every reaction is interesting. 
a lot of those reactions are just like weird, as, as Steven said. And so I think it would be, I don't know that they could be real with each other. I think it just would be mostly awkward and not that interesting. Whereas, for instance, Urban and Sabin, I think they might get on each other and, 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 you know, you beat me, I beat you. Hey, this, hey, that, nice putt. Oh, remember the 09 Sugar, you know, SEC championship game. Hey, that's like what I beat. That I think could be cool. I just don't think it would be cool because, as Steven said, you don't know what you're going to get with Harbaugh. And, Nathan, I think to your point, you're right. Like, it could be really interesting. But, like, if it goes bad, I think it would be like – it wouldn't be like a like one of those things that's horrible and you want to watch it. It would just be horrible. I mean, this it would be too much time, risk. Yeah, yeah, the first time something really weird happens, first time Harbaugh says something kind of strange or whatever – uh, then doesn't Urban just kind of go off and, and play his round of golf and then go yeah. home? Like, does yeah. he, I don't yeah. think he, he he follows through the same way. And I think it's it's interesting the way you, you like the the um the Urban Saban pairing. I mean, you're talking about two guys there who don't really have a lot to prove. I think those are two guys who are very confident in what they accomplished as college football head coaches. And that's not necessarily the case yet with Harbaugh or shouldn't be because he hasn't achieved to that level. So I think that's also a dynamic that, that maybe plays into how some of those relationships play out. Yeah, right. It's more fun when people can go out and say, like, Brady, you know, won most of the matchups with Manning. But Manning got him every now and then, right? Uh-huh. I mean, it's not like – it's not 7-0 or, or whatever, you know, Urban's record against Michigan and that he was undefeated against Harbaugh. It, when you're equal competitors or at least somewhat equal, it makes it more fun. At some point, it's like – how do you how do you sort of like joke with somebody that's like, hey, uh, you never beat me? And the guy be like, yeah, I never did. And then he can go, hey, you couldn't even beat my replacement. Yeah. I mean, like at some point, it's just like, yeah, I don't know. Is that a joke or is it just mean now? It's like everyone's just being mean to Jim Harbaugh. So I would not want to watch it. Um, more Michigan stuff. This is from the 586. I want to say that I'm a new friend of the pod who is only a couple days into my 14-day trial. However, you can, quote, mark it down, as you fellas do on Monday, that I am going to be a long-term subscriber. Awesome. I'm a newer hey. listener who uh, listens to every Buckeye-related podcast during the stay-at-home order. And when I get something – and while I get something out of most of them, Buckeye Talk stands <laughs> out regarding entertainment level. Um, much, much appreciated. Thank you so much for this. Thanks for making my quarantine bearable. Now to the question. Did you guys see the cartwheel video from Jaden Hood's commitment to Michigan? And what do you think? I thought, oh no, they got a stud. Then I saw that he's ranked 298th nationally and would rank 16th in Ohio State's 21 recruiting class. And I just felt sad for them. As you can see, I'm from the 586, which makes me a Buckeye in the netherworld of Michigan. I normally listen to Detroit sports radio when I commute, and every time I hear the call for Don Brown or Harbaugh to be fired, I scream, no, this just cements that feeling. So the point is, Don Brown and Jim Harbaugh did cartwheels in a video with this kid that's showing, like, hey, they're excited they got this guy, and he's the 298th ranked recruit in the class, and, and Michigan is doing cartwheels for that. Like, how do you think Michigan should feel about its recruiting, Stephen? Like, we know it's not as good as Ohio State's, but should that stick in Michigan's craw constantly? Should they just be like, listen, we're not going to recruit as well as Ohio State. We're still going to try to find ways to beat them. We can beat them without recruiting exactly at their level. We'll scheme it up. We'll develop guys, whatever. Or should Michigan, like, kind of be upset that they just cannot – 
at the moment do not have a chance to recruit quite at the level at Ohio State. Ohio State's going to recruit in the top three most of the time. Michigan's trying to recruit in the top ten. What do you think of that? Well, first and foremost, I'm going to say this. If the whole cartwheeling thing is going to turn into what Michigan does, like how Ohio State does the boom tweets every time somebody commits, they need to stop that now because nothing's more uncomfortable than watching old guys try to do athletic things. Now, on to the recruiting side of things. I do think Michigan, Michigan's not going to recruit at the level Ohio State's recruiting at, but they need to be in the ballpark. And getting a guy who's in the 290s who wouldn't even, you know, he'd be at the bottom tier of where Ohio State's 2021 recruiting classes right now. And a lot of that's because Ohio State's on a tear that no one else is on. But they need to be in the ballpark, and right now they're not in the ballpark. And you can't compete with a team if you're not even going to be in the ballpark. And that's part of – you can scheme it up all you want, but that's been part of the problem here is there's a huge talent gap in the rivalry right now. The Ohio State's winning bar none. And you're not going to win – you're not going to compete if you're not even in the ballpark talent-wise. I, I think to me – I mean, to me, when Doug, when you say – One's in the top three, one's in the top ten. That, the way I look at recruiting rankings, that is ballpark to me. I think the 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 ultimate recruiting ranking is results, and that's where there's an even bigger disparity. I think the results that we're seeing on the field over the balance of this winning streak that Ohio State has um, exceed what the difference is in the recruiting rankings. Yeah, I mean, I think to the point that the, that the texter pointed out, Jaden Hood is the seventh highest ranked guy in Michigan's class. He'd be the sixteenth highest ranked guy. In Ohio State's class, um, Ohio State has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven top 100 guys in the class of 2021. So that's 11 top 100 guys, and Michigan has one, two. So 11. You just got Denzel 11, Burke, who would be a big time deal in most people's recruiting classes, and he's another drop in the bucket for Ohio State. Like 11 to two top 100. Um, cause it's like, uh, and Nathan, I agree with you. It's like, what does the ballpark mean? It's like, it's not like Michigan's in is 30th in recruiting. Um, but like when you say 11 top 100 recruits to two top hundred recruits, that's pretty stark, right? Right. But we're also, I mean, we're talking about the, the potential of this particular class, which also we've all talked about how this is even within, even for a program like Ohio state that recruits well year in and year out, what's happening right now is an outlier is special. Like to the extent that of what they're doing right now. So I, th- that that's, that's almost two different questions, right? Like what, what's happening for this 2021 class versus the year in year out recruiting and the results that are a result that are happening from that, which we, we can't say yet for 2021, it's going to be, we're a couple of years away from being able to talk about that. So in the end, Stephen, you think like Michigan – so so Nathan, like I, I guess the question is like how Michigan should feel about it. Should they do that? I mean, and I'm not like – like listen, they get good players, right? Should Ohio State hover over everything they do or can the man do a cartwheel and have a moment of joy and not automatically come out of the cartwheel and think, well, Ohio State's beating us 11-2 to two in, in top 100 recruits. Like should – can Michigan just feel good about it or does – Ohio State hover over everything. Well, I don't think you feel I don't think you feel good about it, but I think if Ohio State or if Michigan is being truly like introspective right now, they would go back to the point I made before that it's not recruiting rankings alone is not what's hurting them. So certainly there is a talent disparity. I'm not I'm not disputing that, but I think there there's another disconnect that's happening that is is making these results greater than they should be. Michigan should be playing them closer in these games. No, I think it should hover over. 
to the point of Justin Fields said it 12 months after being on this camp on Ohio State's campus, the, the Ohio State takes the rivalry more serious than Michigan does. And some of that, and the part of that is in the recruiting rankings. It, so yeah, no, it should hover. They should have to think um, it's okay. You can be excited about getting a commit, but there should be something in the back of your head that's going, Oh, wow, we're getting 290 and it's a pretty big deal. Cause he's one of the top seven guys in our recruiting class. Ohio State gets a guy who's 190 and he's, near the bottom of their class in the rankings. We've talked about a lot, and I, and I think I wrote about this a couple months ago or talked about it on the pod. It's like um, believing in recruiting like elite guys and developmental under-the-radar guys. And I think when you, if you're living in the two and three hundreds with your recruits, that's actually the danger zone, right? That, that on some level, sometimes I'd almost rather, if I'm a recruiter, have a guy in the 600s that you feel like got misidentified or he got injured or he's making a position switch or he played at a small school that like other people are missing on and you found the diamond in the rough as opposed to everyone sort of agreeing like, yeah, that's the 300th best kid. And he's not as good as the 40th best kid. And that's where Michigan's living right now. And so I think that's the point to me is that like 11 to two is too big of a gap. In 2020, Ohio State only had six top 100 national recruits. Michigan had none. So it's 17 to two in, in 20 and 21, top 100 national recruits. I think it's okay to do cartwheels over guys in, at 298 or 296, but you've got to get a couple top 50 difference makers. And that's where I think they're falling short. I think they're just, they end up relying too much and you, you build like the ninth or eighth or seventh or 11th best recruiting class in the nation because you get a bunch of kids between 250 and 400. But if they don't add a Jeff Okuda here and a Chase Young there and a Sean Wade there and a Wyatt Davis there, and it, like, it's really going to be hard to get over the hump. And I think that's where they've fallen short. Now, J.J. McCarthy is their top recruit in 2021. He's the... Illinois quarterback that was interested in Ohio State. Ohio State picked Kyle McCord instead. J.J. McCarthy's going to Michigan. That's a big get for Michigan. Maybe he turns out to be better than Kyle McCord. He's got to be good. But they just don't have enough of the elite of the elite of the elite. And you don't have to have 11 the way Ohio State does. But I think you should have six. You can't have two. And I think that's been their problem. That's where they've lived too often in the Jim Harbaugh era. I want to drop in some recruiting, some some proposed Buckeye Talk slogans, again, from our longtime listeners, if you're new to the podcast, this is what we're about from the 941 Buckeye Talk, all Buckeye, all the time. You know, it's kind of true. Sometimes we also talk about fast food. Um, from the 614, Buckeye Talk, we're pretty sure we know what we're talking about. Buckeye Talk, where preparation is optional. Buckeye Talk, for people with an unhealthy obsession with Ohio State football and an unreasonable amount of free time. Buckeye Talk, three guys, two opinions, one screaming maniac. Buckeye Talk, one of us eats healthy, one of us eats fancy, and one of us eats triple hamburgers from McDonald's. Buckeye Talk, at least I had an opinion. That's from the 614. That was all one person, really digging in on what we're <laughs> looking for here. So, uh, again, we're going to keep dropping these in, letting people know what we're about, um, but we want to focus on the questions. And, again, these are questions – Focusing mostly on Michigan and the Big Ten, this one is from the 317. Oklahoma and Michigan are very similar in the fact that they need to recruit their rival state to be successful. For Oklahoma, it's Texas. For Michigan, it's Ohio. 
There are obviously more total players in Texas, but when did Michigan start to lose the state of Ohio? This has been a thing we've talked about before, but I think it's worth talking about again. I don't get it. Steven, do you get it? I just don't know. I don't expect Michigan to come in and, you know, they went hard after Zach Harrison with Greg Madison and Al Washington, and then Ryan Day took them. But they were both recruiting for Michigan. They're recruiting Zach Harrison, a five-star defensive end in the Columbus suburbs, and they almost got him. So, you know, that's respect for Michigan there, but it's not even to me about getting the five-star Zach Harrison out of the Columbus suburbs. I just don't know why they don't get – they aren't in the mix for, again, for the, for the fifth and sixth and seventh best kid in Ohio more. What is up, Steven? Yeah, that's the problem here. They're not going to get – if Ohio State wants the guy, the guy's going to come to Ohio State. In 2021, it's prevalent. They got, they got the top five players in the state. But then Lorenzo Styles Jr., he's going to Notre Dame. Corey Kenner's going to LSU. Najee Store, he's going to Northwestern. Jalen Anderson, West Virginia, Virginia. Michigan can get those guys. They're not – those are not guys who are going to max schools. Those are, you know – Big Ten, SEC, and then Notre Dame as its non-conference, but it's Notre Dame. Those are pretty quality schools that Michigan can get those guys. But I do have – I want to pose a question, and Doug, since you also covered Luke Fickle when he was here, maybe you would be able to answer this better. Does the fact that Luke Fickle already has an Ohio you know, base being from here, playing at Ohio State, and now he's coaching at Cincinnati, do you think that's hurt Michigan at all? No, I don't think it should because to me, Cincinnati should be battling sort of in the third tier of Ohio kids or maybe in the second tier, but at least Michigan should still be at the top of that tier. But Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, Mark Stoops and Vince Merrow at Kentucky, when Mark D'Antonio was at Michigan State, now Mel Tucker, who's from Northeast Ohio at Michigan State, um, Ron Zook when he was at Illinois, Ohio Roots, he did it. Um, Those kind of guys – can come in, those kind of coaches, those kind of programs can come in and get like the level of guys before below the Ohio State guys, right? But yeah. Michigan should still be at the top of that list. There should not be any kid who's picking Cincinnati over Michigan. So I think it's a lack of priority by Jim Harbaugh. I, he just goes elsewhere. He doesn't know how to do it. But, but the, you know, it's it, – I don't think that's it. I think if Jim Harbaugh was committed to recruiting Ohio, he wouldn't miss kids because Luke Fickle was stealing them from him. Because kids want to play in the Big Ten. Kids want to be part of the rivalry. Michigan is a great option in a million different ways. Tradition, NFL stuff, high profile, academic school. It's just it's a great place to go to college. And I can't believe that Jim Harbaugh doesn't come in and do it more. And the idea that, like, well, Kentucky and Cincinnati and Michigan State can do it, Michigan can't, just boggles my mind. Nathan, where are you on why this might be the case? You know, I, I guess, I, I mean, coming in later, I don't have the perspective of where it started. Um, and I, 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 it, it kind of baffles me. I don't, I don't have a great answer for that as to why. Because kind of as I was alluding to before, I, I know that even with, with maybe Michigan not getting as many of those elite guys, there should be, this should be closer. This should be, it shouldn't be, Michigan isn't an afterthought in terms of um, the way Ohio State thinks about this rivalry, but they're increasingly becoming an afterthought in the results of the rivalry. Um, and I think there's a real danger here for Michigan with Mel Tucker coming in at Michigan State and what he could potentially do in Ohio. Uh, it's almost a bigger threat to Michigan than it is to Ohio State. In some ways, I think you're right. Yeah, I think he because he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. I don't know that he's going to come in and regularly take away 
a top recruit that Ohio State wants. But if you could just get one of those guys every four years, it, it, maybe it doesn't make that much of a difference in your relationship against Ohio State, but it can it can bring you a whole lot closer to being the team that pulls up ahead of Michigan again. Yeah, I just and I've said this before. I just feel like it's Jim Harbaugh is like sort of like choosing to ignore the problem rather to rather than fix the problem. That like you can't beat Ohio State on the field. Ohio State gets all the best kids in Ohio. Like, what's the point? I'll just go after kids in Connecticut. And I just think that's wrong. I think I'd rather fight for a kid in Ohio and lose because then maybe you win the next battle. But if you don't even if you don't put an emphasis on it, I mean, it's just it's never going to change. And I just don't know. We've seen. We've seen Michigan recruit Ohio not that long ago. Jim Trestle shut it down, but certainly, and I just think that the opportunity when Urban Meyer leaves, Ryan Day's not an Ohio guy, right? Like to beat Trestle and Urban who grew up with Buckeye nuts in their pocket, that's a different thing. But that's not Ryan Day. It should be an opening there. There was an opening with John Cooper. Now, Ryan Day has been smart and emphasized Ohio and made himself part of the Ohio State's fabric and connected with Ohio high school coaches. He's been very strategic and smart about that. But... I still think this would have been an opportunity for Michigan to jump in, and I think it's kind of inexcusable that they have it. Um, from the 937, um, oh, no, that's not the one I was looking for. Oh, Buckeye Talk. Yes, Buckeye Talk from the 937. You'll learn, you'll laugh, and you'll turn down your volume whenever it's Doug's turn. <laughs> um, 513, Buckeye Talk. Such a good podcast, it franchised one to The Athletic, which I think is – I think that's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> from the five, from the five one, yeah, takes a minute. From the five one three Buckeye Talk, home to the OSU Pod Father. I'll take it. From the two one six Buckeye Talk has a has a podcast tree. <laughs> yeah, no, my com- my podcast tree is pretty good. Uh, Buckeye Talk from the two one six, a curmudgeon. That's Nathan. A brutally honest agitator. That's Doug. And a young, cheerful optimist, that's Stephen, talk about Ohio State football and other topics that will make your life 100% better, or not. Either way, listen and sponsor us so we can wear fine linens and enjoy chain restaurants. Oh, like that. Um, the two, oh, that's, uh, that was a curmudgeon one. Nathan, uh, do, you, uh, do you fight back against this characterization of you as a curmudgeon, or do you embrace it? Um, it's topical. I don't think I'm a curmudgeon across the board. But I certainly I'm 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 not afraid to poo-poo um, things that I believe are uh, maybe overrated by society at large. And a, a situational curmudgeon, I think, is I think that's fair, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, and I think that's that's a good characterization of you, situational curmudgeon. From the nine three seven Buckeye Talk, a five star podcast, mostly because stars don't matter. Um, Good ones. I'm liking them. I'm liking all these uh, little slogans. We'll drop some more in. Um, I wanted to get to this question I thought was good from the 614. Are there any teams in the Big Ten that would regularly make the playoffs if not for Ohio State's existence? In other words, do you believe that teams like Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, et cetera, would regularly make the playoffs if they didn't have to play Ohio State every year? Uh, that's almost – I mean, it is. That's a good enough – question to lead a podcast um but i'm on furlough next week and i didn't want to wait for a week and not get to it so i'm dropping it in here now nathan what do you think of that is ohio state holding back other big 10 teams from leaping into the national picture more often i think you could make a pretty strong case that if ohio state 
were not in the way or were not what Ohio State is, that Penn State would probably be that standard bearer for the Big Ten right now, right? Uh, I'll add my opinion at the end. Would is that you would say that? That's your you would you would. That would probably be my one answer because I think that they would typically still beat out Wisconsin or whoever's coming from the West. Steven, is 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 would someone fill the gap? Is holding is Ohio State's presence holding back somebody? No, it's not. I don't think so because it's not always just the. Ohio State loss. A lot of these teams also like lose to each other. But just from last year, Penn State also lost to Minnesota last year. So are and are is are they going to get in over a one loss team in the SEC? Is that are they going to do that or so it, it would have to be a team out west. So as much as we've already dogged Wisconsin in the past, if there's a team, it's probably Wisconsin just because they've been to the Big Ten championship the most out of any Big Ten West team, and they don't have to worry about Penn State and Michigan on a yearly basis. So my answer is I think we already have an example of this out in the college football world. And I think it's what the Pac-12 is right now. And to me, it's USC has taken itself and been taken out of the national title picture and has another program in the Pac-12, filled the void? And I would argue no, because people, it's very easy to dismiss the Pac-12 in the playoff conversation right now. Now, you know, Washington did make it. Oregon's pretty good, right? I mean, they have some good teams. But there was a chance for somebody to step up and be the next national contender from the Pac-12 because USC has been a mess, and it didn't happen. And I think if you took Ohio State out of the Big Ten, that's what it would be. I think there would be a lot of years you'd be sitting around and saying, well, I don't, I don't know that there's a playoff team in the Big Ten this year because I think Penn State and Michigan and Wisconsin would be very similar to Washington and Oregon and, and teams in the Pac-12 that are good but did not significantly and consistently rise up with the hole that USC created. So I, I don't – I, I really don't – it doesn't mean that Penn State's not good. It doesn't mean that they might slip in here and there. But I, I don't think somebody would automatically elevate to Ohio State spot. From the 614, thoughts on a north-south division split using the current 14 teams. So we talked about this in a previous podcast. How would you realign the Big Ten? This is one of the ways, right? You go north-south. This, this suggestion is Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska, Michigan State, Michigan, Northwestern. That's the North. So that is – that's five teams from the West plus Michigan State and Michigan. Then the South is Illinois, Indiana, Purdue, Ohio State, Penn State, Rutgers, Maryland. So basically what you're doing – it's not even basically. What you're doing is you're swapping Michigan and Michigan State for Purdue and Illinois. Michigan becomes the most consistent program. Well, it's probably tied with Wisconsin. Most consistent program in the West as a result. Michigan State is certainly better, has been better as a program than Illinois. So you're sending the West is, of the four teams in the swap, the West is getting the two best and the East is getting the two worst in Purdue and Illinois. Does any of that make sense to you, Nathan? That idea of a division, of a division split, you know, just the geography is convenient. 
but just from a balance of power standpoint, are you in? Uh, it makes it almost makes more sense from a balance of power standpoint still than geography, though. Um, when you start talking about having one team that's in the different time zone than everybody else in its division, that gets a little wonky. Um, but if you can get those teams on board that, that don't mind having that kind of weird scheduling quirk to, to bother with, then I guess I, I think that could make some sense. Well, Michigan and Michigan State are in the East and the other five are in the West, right? Or are you talking about – who are you talking about is is the one that's – in the oh, different I forget the list again. Wasn't it one? Wasn't the one that had? Um, uh, oh, Illinois in Illinois the, being the only yeah. central is time zone in the yeah, and everybody yeah. else is in the east. Okay, mm-hmm. Correct. okay, yeah. Um, all right, Nathan or Stephen, like like it, not like it, kind of meh. I mean, I don't hate it, but at the same time, in this situation, if Michigan is the most consistent team in the north, and we know how it's to be the most consistent team in the south. Does this just mean that every other year at this point, Ohio State and Michigan are, be, are going to be playing back-to-back games? One's going to be at one of their homes, and the other one's going to be in Indianapolis? I, I think that is the main thing. I think the minute – and, and we've, we learned from it because in the original division split, Ohio State and Michigan were in opposite divisions. The minute you split Ohio State and Michigan, you risk screwing up the two best things the Big Ten has going for it which is the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry and the Big Ten championship game. And you have a chance to lessen both of them. Now, it hasn't ever happened. It never happened then, and I'm not sure it would have happened yet because it hasn't really been the case that Ohio State-Michigan have been the two best teams in the Big Ten because Michigan hasn't been that good. But it's such a risk because you cannot move Ohio State-Michigan from the end of the year. To move that into the middle of the season to avoid playing back-to-back with the championship game is cutting off your nose to spite your face. That game has to end the regular season. But you're creating a scenario where now if they if that happens and they rematch in the Big Ten Championship and now the opposite team wins and which win is better and you have a chance to just muck it up, that it took me a while to come around on it. Um, but I just think it's so important. It's the best rivalry in college football. And Auburn and Alabama are on the same division. They don't risk it. I think it is such a fundamental part of Big Ten football, and it would get mucked up. I think any division alignment that has Michigan and Ohio State on opposite sides is immediately wrong. Mm-hmm. Nathan, are you that strong on that, Nathan? Again, you know. In, in a, in, for the reasons that you just stated, yes. Um, I think once you expand to an 18 playoff, which we've talked about is inevitable, that loosens some of that up a little bit. An 18 playoff, that means there isn't a, a conference championship game? Um, there would still be a conference championship game, but I don't – it does. I, well, yeah, I, I don't, don't know. I don't, no, want, I, I, I don't like the idea of – because you're right. That game cannot move away from the last Saturday of the regular season at noon. I don't like the idea of, oh, we just played each other, and then now we're going to play each other seven days later, into, and now it's which win means more, the one that was in Indianapolis or the one seven days earlier. And if, well, you, if live, you split them up, they would just be the crossover divisional game that played in the last week, right? But well, I mean, Ohio State Michigan have to play every. They year. have to play every year. Yes. Yeah, so it's a crossover. It's a rivalry. Right, but that's what I'm saying. They, they would they would still play every year if you split them into no, two different sure. divisions. No, for sure. No, but he's saying, but 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 you're setting up the idea of the back to back. 
Yeah. I mean, they, they have to play each other every year in the last week of the regular season. Dave Brandon, the Michigan AD at the time when they were started off the division stuff, was trying to be like iffy on that. And again, on the list of things that Gene Smith has done well, and Gene Smith has a plus column and a minus column in his career as Ohio State's AD, Gene was staunch on this. Gene did not budge on, on moving that game, on messing mm-hmm. with that game. And so the solution was, well, we'll just live with the rematch if it happens. We'll live with the rematch in the Big Ten championship game. And I think it's potentially disastrous. And I just – you just – you can't do it. You just – it's just you it's, it's a non-starter. But you think it's potentially disastrous because, A, it lessens the importance of the, of the game, and, B, it potentially causes ripple effects for which team would then make the playoffs? Yes, because yeah. – and it's that easy. second one is where I was saying the 18 playoff negates of that concern a little bit. But I think it even more so reduces the importance of what is already this amazing game that you're talking about. I don't so. know. If, maybe there's an example out there. Have college football teams ever played each other in consecutive weekends in the history of college football? Like, I don't know because the thing is most of the time, like, okay, in the division world, well, everybody's playing a division team in the last week of the regular season. So then – you can't play each other in the championship game because you're in the same division, right? I mean, I don't know if there's an example that that doesn't follow that. But when you're splitting up Ohio State-Michigan and you're saying we can't move the game, now you're risking that, and it's not worth it. The benefit, the whatever the benefit would be, the competitive balance benefit would not outweigh the risk of the back-to-back games, which would just be like nobody wants it. It would just be weird. For the reasons you mentioned, Nathan, specifically, but just because it's stupid. Which one do you get up for? Like, I don't which even want to – it makes my head Ohio, Yeah, which one does Ohio State go all out for and X off the M's around campus for? Is it the one in, you know, on November 28th? Or do they wait and do that when, oh, now the stakes are really high because the trophy's involved? I mean, and I did – I don't know that I was there immediately when we did this. There's probably stories out there where I advocated for them to be in opposite divisions. But just once – once you thought about it and we lived the reality for a couple years of leaders and legends, not that it ever happened, but that it could have happened. I mean, it just – the idea that you would do anything that would take away from the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry because it wouldn't enhance it. Like Ohio State-Michigan playing, oh, let's play a second time. Let's play at a neutral site. That doesn't make that rivalry better. It makes it worse. So, like, you just – like, it's just a non-starter, I think. It's just a non-starter. All right, a couple more slogans. From the 937, Buckeye Talk, come for your love of Ohio State and leave without learning about a player from any other team. Totally gets us. Totally gets us. Yeah. From the 773, Buckeye Talk, Doug's Therapy. That's from Charlie. Totally gets me. From the 630, Buckeye Talk, Plain Burgers, Purdue, and some dude who can't eat a whole pizza. (laughs) Again, that's someone who's paying attention. Um, Yeah. I like this one, too. See what you guys think of this. I might start calling you this. From the 630, Buckeye Talk, first Doug, second Bill, and third Ari, Talk Buckeyes. <laughs> third so Ari. It is very tempting because that means that Tim Bielek was second Ari, and Steven is third Ari, and Nathan, you are second Landis. And it's like if you make a copy of a copy of a copy, it just gets it just fades a little bit each time. Like if I start calling you third Ari, Steven, like please are you no. cool with please, that or please, is that please, not? Please do not start calling me third Ari. That that cracked me up. Uh, from the six three zero Buckeye talk, fast food with some football thrown in. 
which is how we work occasionally. From the 630 Buckeye Talk, who are three people who have never been in my kitchen? Nathan, do you get that reference? I did get that reference. I meant to respond to that texter today, actually. I don't know how young they think I am, but I've watched many an episode of Cheers in my life. Yeah, Stephen, you don't get that reference, do you? I have no idea what yeah. they're talking about. It's from Cliff on Jeopardy on Cheers. It's funny, if you get it. From the 630 Buckeye Talk, Doug did not get fired. That's from the survey that I screwed up. And by the way, for yes. the tech subscribers who are listening, I screwed up the survey so bad that like I don't think we can do it. Because it's like we missed the window. I said I screwed it up. Can you send it again? They might have to make a new survey for us. So my uh, my uh, lack of technical and digital skills is, is messing us up again. Um, let's see. Another one from the 219. Uh, Buckeye Talk, where we are not scared to call Wisconsin a phony. Again, I love when we have the callbacks to stuff that we've talked about yeah. uh, on this podcast. Uh, this is another good one. From the 614, question, should the Big Ten football championship rotate locations from Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis? If so, how and where else? They talked about that initially when they awarded it to Lucas Oil. I'm not even sure how long the contract in Indy runs at the moment. We know that with the Big Ten basketball tournament, when they had when they added Rutgers in Maryland, they gave a nod and had it in D.C. for a year for Maryland and had it in Madison Square Garden in New York for a year for Rutgers. And we know that they previously have rotated between Indianapolis and Chicago. But football has only been an Indy so far. Steven, should it always be an Indy, or where else would you like to see it? No, it should always be an Indy. It's indoors. Indy's a quality city. This is football. It's one, it's one night. It's not like with basketball where you're there for multiple days. We're okay rotating. It probably makes sense. You're there for 12 hours. So, it, it, no, just keep it in Indy. Indoors, everything. You don't have to worry about any weather problems or anything like that. It's talent. The better, more talented team is going to win most of the time because you don't have to worry about any other elements. Just keep it in Indy. Nathan, are you up for a move? I would keep it in Indy. Um, I, I think for all the reasons Steven said, I would also say even if I hadn't been a a, a proud former Indianapolis resident, it, it it's a city that gets really good reviews for any time it has conventions or big sporting events in that downtown area. If things are so convenient. It's so close. Things are very well connected. It, it's just a very good setup to have things at Lucas Oil or Banker's Life. It, it just fits really well. The only city that I would maybe think about just from and the other thing is it's so central, right? I mean, it's so easy to get in and out of. The airport is, if not the best in the Big Ten cities, it's, it's one of the best, just in terms of convenience and the the the, the, the amenities and the the options that you have for flying in and out. Um, the only city that I would maybe give some consideration to would be Detroit because it's still pretty central. It has an indoor stadium, all that stuff, but I don't know that it's as aesthetically pleasing in other ways. Sorry, Detroit, as Indianapolis is. I would like to see other cities get a shot. Um, there's enough other indoor options, right? You could play in Minneapolis, right? Has an indoor facility, right? I like Minneapolis. I, I love Minneapolis. Yeah. Minneapolis is my favorite Big Ten city, um, although Columbus is creeping up now that I live here. But um, I, it's, it's not as easy to get to for everybody as Indianapolis. It's not as central. Uh, Detroit would be an option. I don't know. Could you play in Milwaukee and uh, – and play in the Brewers Stadium if you wanted to for a one-time thing. Um, and then I don't know that – do you have to be indoors? Steven, it sounds like you said you want it indoors for sure. Yeah, I think you have to be indoors. 
I, th- I think so. I think L- weather shouldn't – with championship games, if weather doesn't have to be a factor, it shouldn't have to be a factor. Because then you're getting the best possible – I think the best out of both teams. Nathan, is a Big Ten championship football game in the snow a disaster, or could it be cool? I think – I mean, I, I, it could be cool. But but I think with, with what's on the line when you're talking about making sure that, like as Steven's saying, you take the elements out of it and you try to get the best team pound for pound onto the champion onto the playoff, I think there's too much at stake. I think you have to play it indoors for, for that reason. They had a Super Bowl outdoors in New York. Exactly, and it was awful. That was, that was terrible. So don't copy that. Learn from that and yeah. don't do it. Um. Well, things think, get, also, things get interesting. What if, you know, to, to reach back to what we talked about a couple of weeks about Big Ten expansion. So what if they bring in, like, Texas, and now you start playing the Big Ten championship game in, in Jerry's world every couple of years? Like, yeah, that's I, something that would definitely be on the table for that kind of agreement. And I, But, like, I did not like putting the Big Ten championship, uh, the Big Ten basketball tournament in Maryland and, and New York City because why, do, why does anybody have to kiss the butt of the new guys? How about giving it to frickin' Ohio? How about having the the Big Ten basketball tournament in Cleveland? Why do we have to go to D.C.? How about having the Big Ten basketball tournament in uh, in Milwaukee? Or that'd be a, that'd be a really t- good two weeks for Cleveland MAC champ- MAC tournament and Big Ten tournament. Well, be- that's that's the thing is you have to figure yeah. out that logistically. They moved um, the Big Ten tournament up because of the Big East. They kicked it. They moved true. the whole Big Ten tournament a week early to go as to someone, Madison Garden. As someone who attended all those tournaments, I'll tell you this. Without hesitation, I would rather have a – as someone who was covering Big Ten basketball, I would rather go to New York City every other year than go back to Chicago. Chicago is a terrible venue and a terrible setup for the Big Ten championship game it's, of basketball. It's just because the, it. the, it's just cause the arena – but nobody cares what the media thinks. It's just because the arena isn't down. I don't think it's very – it's not good for fans either, I don't think. I mean the Bulls I mean, other play than there the 41 times central. a year. People can get, can get to the stadium. Yeah, I mean, but only people only from Chicago are going there. People who already live in Chicago are going to those games or the greater Chicago area. We start talking about a bigger. It's just it's it's not a great setup for for that tournament. I I I, I thought the, the Big Ten tournament in at Madison Square Garden was fantastic. The one in the one in Washington D.C. was not good. It didn't have any kind of electricity. It had no juice. Um, nobody really cared. The 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 one in Madison Square Garden had a little bit more going. I'd say a lot more going for it. I get very tired of the Big Ten when it pretends it's not in the Midwest. So, and I just, I don't know why, like, screw the new guys. I don't care about Rutgers and that we're going to go to New York City. What about the teams that have been in the frickin' league for 100 years? You guys have no interest in a Big Ten championship football game in Soldier Field in Chicago? No. Here's what I would do. Here's what I would do. I would like to see other cities get a shot at it once because it's cool, man. It's cool. And for, like, you can't have it in any stadiums of actual, like, Big Ten stadiums. I'm not saying play it in Ohio Stadium, but I think you could play it in First Energy in Cleveland one year. Play it in Cleveland. I think you could play it in Milwaukee one year, a little nod to Wisconsin. I think you could play it in Minneapolis in the Vikings Stadium. It's Minnesota, University of Minnesota City, but it's not their stadium. I think you could do that one year. I think you could do it in Chicago at Soldier Field one time. It'd be a great, it'd be a big, gigantic deal when you did it. I mean, I think you could do it in Pittsburgh maybe one year if you wanted to for Penn State fans. And I understand it's like Indianapolis is so perfect in every way. I wouldn't mind a rotation where in a 10-year cycle, Indy gets it five times and five other places get it once. I just think it would be great 
for other fans. And not that, I mean, it draws different people from all over the place. I just think it'd be fun. And like, I would risk the, the weather, you know? I mean, like, I, I, I'd risk it. And you know what? But, like, you're the Big Ten. It's the freaking Big Ten. If you, if you can play outdoors, if you can play Ohio State, Michigan outdoors on the last Saturday in November, you can play the Big Ten Championship outdoors on the first Saturday in December. It's one week later. So I don't think it's the end of the – not only do I think – I don't think that should hold you back. I'm not saying play it outdoors every year. And I'm, I'm not saying leave Indy. I'm just saying in the name of spreading the wealth a little bit, I would not be afraid of playing outdoors. I think the danger of, of playing outdoors too, though, is it's supposed to be the showcase event for your conference. And if you have it in an outdoor stadium, um, I'm trying to think of what the pairing would potentially be, you know, like um, – you know, Minnesota emerges out of the West and somebody other than Ohio state comes out of the East and the game's being played in Pittsburgh. So like Michigan state, I don't know. Somebody like that comes out of the East, like, and then it's a horrible weather situation. Like is the crowd so bad that it looks bad for the conference that you. Listen, man, if the big 10 championship game is Minnesota, Michigan state, it's going to look bad no matter where you play. I'm just, then then why, then why exasperate (laughs) the situation? Yeah. Don't make, don't make it worse than it's already going to be. I don't know. I'd I'd like it. So I don't know. I don't I don't know where people are on that. I, I remember writing stuff when they first had the idea of this. I'm like talking to you know the leaders in Cleveland and like wouldn't it be cool to get it once? And they definitely early on they dangled the carrot of like, well, we're gonna start in Indy and then we'll see. And again, I didn't research, I don't know what the contract is. Um, but it's so it's so secure and situated now. And I know a lot of the other cities they're kinda locked in, you know, the SEC's in Atlanta right now. Um I, I get it. I mean, I'm, I'm not complaining that it's an indie. Indy's the best place for it, right? I don't know that anybody would argue that. Indy's perfect. Indy's going to host the national championship game in a couple of years. But I guess my point is just because Indy's perfect doesn't mean that the other cities um, can't get a shot. All right, quick break. We'll be back on Buckeye Talk with a couple more questions, more slogans. Um, thanks for making our Cleveland.com podcast part of your Ohio State experience. We'll be right back. All right, back on Buckeye Talk, a couple more slogan suggestions from the 219. Uh, no, that was the phony Wisconsin one. We already did that. From the 615 tagline, Buckeye Nuggets and Refreshing Takes. And I like nuggets because it can mean news things, but it can also mean uh, chicken. Buckeye Talk, on the basis of sex wins plus football. So that was someone who remembered the Le Marie's family uh, movie bracket on the basis of sex one. Buckeye I think talk. They, I think they missed an opportunity there, by the way. It should be on the basis of text. Oh, yeah. dang, that's hot. T-shirt slogan. That's I'm on that on the basis of text. Buckeye talk. I'm so in. Copyright that. Uh, this one I like because it's a shot at us that I don't disagree with. Buckeye talk. High ceiling, low floor. <laughs> well, we're great. We're great. <laughs> And when we suck, we suck. You know? Yeah. What, what are you going to do? We are the 2018 recruiting class. <laughs> yeah. We're all – man, great potential, uh, questionable development. Buckeye talk. Um, that wasn't real. That was me. From the 484, Doug yells. Simple. Just keep it simple. Um, 419, Buckeye talk. Unprofessional professionals. I actually kind of like that. Because we like to keep it raw, but come on, we get paid for this stuff, right? I, I want to copyright that, actually. Yeah, 
I think I, I, I'm leaning into that. Buckeye Talk, where debates are a must, conclusions are optional, but who else can you trust? It's from our guy, Colin. That, again, oh, that is pretty detailed about what we're about. Um, and please don't eat the crust. And please, <laughs> and please don't eat must. the crust, yes. Yeah. <laughs> debates a must, conclusions optional. I really, I really thought that was good. Um, wanted to talk about this a little bit. It's a little self-referential on the podcast. Um, from the 225, what's the reach of Buckeye Talk? How many listeners on average? What's the farthest place someone has listened from? So I pulled this up. Our, our podcast platform that's ACAST that we use does list how many people in what countries listen. So in the last month, um, our most listeners are from the United States. Second is Canada. We have 974 listens from Canada in the last month. Then Germany, 445. The United Kingdom, 358. Japan, 244. Australia, 161. Singapore, 154. Qatar, 151. Thailand, 129. India, 93. China, 92. South Korea, 76. Italy, 61. Indonesia, 60. Egypt, 56. Norway, 53. Puerto Rico, 49. Israel, 40. Kenya, 38. Belgium, 37. I think this is interesting. Mexico, Mexico, 30. Ireland, 28. New Zealand, 27. Luxembourg, 23. Kuwait, 22. Romania, 22. Taiwan, 21. Hong Kong, 15. Austria, 8. Colombia, seven. Netherlands, five. Turkey, five. Afghanistan, four. The United, United Arab Emirates, four. Guam, four. France, three. Estonia, two. Saudi Arabia, two. And then one each from places like Brazil, Cambodia, the Czech Republic, the Philippines, Spain, Switzerland, Albania. Oh, no, none from Albania. None from Albania. Oh, forget it. We got to work on that. Drop so I thought bomb. that was interesting. I know there are military members that listen. And so I think some portion of that might be Ohio State fans in the military who are stationed overseas at different bases. And if we are, uh, if you are making us part of your day, part of your week, while you are overseas serving our country, we are incredibly grateful for that. And then there's just Buckeye fans everywhere. When you guys hear a list like that, does it make you feel tingly? Does it make you feel proud inside that we're going out worldwide because Buckeye fans are everywhere? It's just it's it makes you um, appreciate what we can do technologically these days, right? I mean, like the the idea that like because uh, I think there's uh, those people have always you know spread out across the globe over the years anyway, right? But I mean, the fact that somebody in Egypt and Norway and Kenya can all listen at the same time as someone who lives in Upper Arlington or whatever is is pretty fun. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool that that many people in different countries have heard me fail at eating a pizza. Yeah, think about that. Steven, you could walk down the street in Estonia, and there's a chance that someone would walk up to you and say, you're the crust guy. Yeah. Think about that. I'm think- not going to be able to deny that. That's the problem. It's too many yeah. people who have, who have facts. It makes me want to go to Estonia. So anyway, wherever you are listening, thanks so much. And, and I don't know if I'm supposed to give this away or not. I don't care. I mean, you're our people. We're getting – most of them are getting about 5,000 listens per podcast on the Daily Pod in season when we're only doing one or two. I mean, we get up to 10,000 over, well over 10,000 sometimes per episode. Um, so our overall numbers per episode are down now that we're doing five a week. But I think I think 5,000 per episode when we're doing five a week is, is pretty good. And a lot of them get over five. The, the biggest ones still get 
six higher sometimes. So I don't know. I don't know how that shapes up, but if you're interested, that's, those are the numbers that we get reported on the podcast platform. I think there might be like, I'm not sure Spotify counts in that. Like, I think there's some things that how you count it. I don't know, but I don't know. That feels pretty good. It's a lot of ears, man. Um, three more. We'll hit them quick. Looking at the schedule, this is from the 937. Looking at the schedule for this season, what? And we, this is like an old, go, an old favorite. What game do you guys view as the highest possibility of a slip-up like 17 Iowa or 18 Purdue? I personally don't think it happens, but for the sake of speculating, what team on the schedule do you think could cause an upset if they show up and play? Which one jumps out? Is there one that jumps out? And I think we may have even talked about it before, but I don't think we can ever talk about this topic too much because those two losses stick with Ohio State fans. Is there one that jumps out, Stephen, for you when you look at the schedule? I wanted to say Nebraska is so badly, but they took us – they didn't take any steps forward last year. But, but them having a third-year starting quarterback and that being after a trip to Penn State, that should be the game to watch for that situation. But because of how far of a step back they took last year, you can't – I can't say that confidently. Um, maybe on some whim, Penn, Michigan State, just because it's the first of two straight road games and it's before that Penn State game and – it's the first year for Mel Tucker, so maybe they come in and like Mel, that's like Mel Tucker make statement game. Hey, I've arrived as Michigan State's coach, and this is, you know, our first up, our first upset of many to come, and being the annoying thorn in Ohio State side that they were in the early 2010s. I think these are good candidates. Michigan State's one of the candidates for me because it's the week before Penn State. And again, I don't like you know I've made my thoughts on trap games felt here, but it's like, I don't know, could they possibly be looking ahead to Penn state a little bit? And, and that's early enough in the schedule. That's week six, you know, Mel Tucker, do you know exactly everything about what he wants to do? You know, have you, do you have a, a full sense of their defensive and offensive schemes? Could Michigan state surprise you a little bit? And then Indiana for me, um, November 7th, I just, I just don't know about Michael Penix Jr., the quarterback there. He was hurt last year, so Ohio State didn't get him last year. They got Peyton Ramsey, and Peyton Ramsey is a pretty competent Big Ten quarterback. Um, but Michael Penix Jr., I just think, is a guy with upside. I don't know if he has upside 12 weeks out of the year, but if you're looking for, like, top end, could he have – Could a, is it a, a talented guy who could pull a great game, play his best? And we've talked about that a million times. Nate Stanley is not a week-in, week-out great Big Ten quarterback. He played great that day. Could Michael Penix elevate to that sometime in the next two years? In 20 or 21, I think it's possible. So I, I have a little bit of an alert for Indiana because I feel like Tom Allen is like just like a very competent coach, and they have a little more of a foundation than they've had in recent years. And then you're adding sort of a wild card upside quarterback on top of it, and I think that is interesting. Nathan? I think we had this question as a Buckeye Talk text Q&A question um, or maybe we weren't branding it as such back then, but um, a, a texter, a subscriber question that was asked. And I wrote it up, and I think I answered Iowa at the time. Under the uh, – and that's the, the October 10th home game against Iowa. Under the guys that uh, – Iowa was the kind of team that could maybe come in and they should have a pretty strong offensive line. If you come in and just control the line of scrimmage against what I might have been thinking of Ohio State's defensive line at the time, maybe you can shorten the game and, and, and find a way to grind one out. Um, I'm starting to come around though on Michigan, on Ohio state's defensive line, maybe not being as, as vulnerable as I thought at the time. Um, so if you, if you follow the other 
the guidelines that the previous Iowa game, the Purdue game, both followed. It'd have to be a game on the road and then a game against like a middle tier team, right? Or a lower tier, like not somebody like Penn State, because that's too obvious of an answer. So if you're saying that, I guess I'd agree with Steven and say Michigan State might be the one that would qualify. Although that's not a Western team too. It's, it's usually been a Western team. Yeah, it's weird. Their schedule, it's just the way the schedule works this year. Their their road games, like their Western road game is Illinois. Yeah, and, and I just like, don't, I don't buy know. Illinois. It's not going to be Illinois. No. I guess, although, if you're thinking about trap game stuff, I mean, it's one week before the Michigan game, but um, I just, I, I, I'm highly skeptical. It should be Nebraska. That's the problem here. And it's just not. But that's a home game, too. It's The, the road yeah. games are Michigan State. And Michigan State might even be too good to be this, you know? Because, like, Michigan State's yeah. gotten them before. The road games are Michigan State and Penn State, which are both, like, kind of legitimate. And then Maryland and Illinois, which, like, is yeah. kind of hard to see, you know? So it's like it's, it, there isn't a perfect game that fits that mix because I do think, like, Nebraska and Iowa, like, like fit it better, but they're both at home. So mm-hmm. not that it couldn't happen at home, but I think, Nathan, to your point, that was certainly a component of both those losses that it's kind of – on the road when they weren't really expecting it, but yet the teams were good enough talent-wise to do it, you know? So it's like they won't expect it against Illinois, but is Illinois really going to rise up and do it? And then the one thing is, and this is the debate, I don't think it's an interesting debate, and you can spin it however you want. The Iowa game at home is off a bye week. So does that mean Ohio State's going to be rested and healthy? Or does and it I, mean it's going to be they're going to be rusty and flat? I don't know. And they play and they 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 get two games before that are Buffalo and Rutgers. And right. I have to double check, but I think that I think it might not be off a bye week for Iowa. Okay, right. And so again, you you spin what you you it use the result to spin back what you thought. If Ohio State right. plays great, then you'll say it was a great bye. They were rested and healthy. If Ohio State plays poorly, then you say they were rusty and flat. And so. What is it actually going to mean? I, I don't know, but um, it's a little wrinkle because just bye weeks are a little different. So that Iowa's off a of bye week this year. Um, last couple slogans. Um, let's see. From the 614, Buckeye Talk, where ranting meets pulling your hair out. So I guess that probably is, is my ranting and you guys and the listeners pulling your hair out, as I assume is how, is how I read that. Um, and from the 585, Buckeye Talk, for all we know, Rutgers. So for all we know, Rutgers was a popular uh, slogan here on Buckeye Talk uh, <laughs> several years ago. Um, last couple questions. One's a personal one for me that, 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 I'll, that I'll answer. I don't know if people care, but one person cares, and I texted him back and told them this. At the very least, they'll care because they asked it, and I'll care because I get to talk about myself. Uh, from the 419. Legit, legitimate question, not trying to be a jerk. Doug, why haven't you left for a different job? Not knowing anything about the sports journalism field, I've listened for six years and everyone around you has come and gone. Having covered the Bulls in the 90s in Ohio State during the glory days, um, are these the glory days for Ohio State? It's a side question from him. I'm just curious, is it loyalty or something different? Again, not trying to be a jerk. So, like, I, I, don't, I totally – I don't think you're trying to be a jerk. I don't know. Like, if people think journalism stuff is interesting, it's like um, – I have kids. I don't want to move because I don't want to move my kids. We moved here when uh, my oldest daughter was um, like a year and a half old. And then my second daughter was born here. And I would rather, I would not move them by choice while they were in school. Um, So I never really looked. 
And I've had some dalliances with other outlets over the years. Um, I had one where they were potentially offering me a bunch of money and they are no longer in business. So I could have taken that and I don't know where I'd be right now. Um, but I love working here. So I, I've talked about this right when I was getting a little burned out, we switched from a newspaper model to a digital model. And so I started in 2005, we switched to a digital model in 2013. And that meant I wasn't just writing stories anymore. We started doing videos. We started doing more quick hit kind of stuff that reinvigorated me. As maybe you can tell, I really like doing podcasts. So that's a new thing that's shaking things up. I like doing the videos. I like doing the texts. And so even though I've been here doing the same job for the same company for 15 years, uh, the business has changed enough that I like how it's changed. And I feel like I've changed jobs without changing jobs. So I understand like doing the exact same thing for 15 years could be hard, but I started off being a newspaper beat writer covering Ohio State only. And now I'm a, a digital writer, podcaster, video text guy who does mostly Ohio State, but also a decent amount of Browns. So I'm still here, but my job is really different. And that's helped keep me interested. And uh, I love Cleveland.com and I love my bosses and the company has been really good to me and I still like it. So that's why I never left. And, uh, and also like, you know, the money... I mean, I'd do anything for money. Wouldn't you guys do anything for money? I mean, if somebody doubled my salary to go pull weeds in their front yard, I'd leave. But that hasn't happened. Nathan, Buckeye Talk, we'll do anything for money. Nathan, you would do anything for money, right? I don't know about anything. Steven, would you do anything for money? I mean, no, that's a very broad statement. There are a lot of things I would do for money, yes. <laughs> you won't even, eat, won't even <laughs> eat pizza crust for money. Did we pay for the pizza? <laughs> oh, man. Um, that's good. Uh, last one. This is a really good, fun question. I would do a whole podcast of questions like this if we want to do this one day. From the 419. Here's the situation. It's third and two. Ohio State's down six points on November 28th. That's against Michigan. Justin Fields has already made one dreaded trip to the injury tent, but he's managed to stay in for most of the game. Jerseys are withered and voices from Ohio State living rooms across the country are sore. 43 seconds to go on the Michigan 23-yard line. Ohio State has two timeouts left. What play do we call with this depth chart as it stands now? And is there a third and short play you hope to see more of in general this year? So the idea is down six, almost in the red zone in the final minute against Michigan. Who are you going to? What are you thinking about? Who will Ohio State be relying upon at that point in the season? Let's talk about that first, and then we'll do what's your third and short play later. Nathan, what are you doing? 23-yard line, 40 in the final minute against Michigan. I mean, with that scenario and those timeouts and that much time left, I, I, I mean, I, if you need two yards, I'm going to put the game um, on the backs now, of – Are we doing – not two yards yet. Let's let's okay. let, let's call a play. Let's say it's second down from the twenty-three yard line. Two timeouts. It's not short yardage yet. Let's say it's first and ten from the twenty-three. They, Ohio State just got a first down and called a timeout. First and ten at the twenty-three. Like, what are you trying to do? Because it's not just about short yards. It's about it's about how you want to attack. Now, of course, every caveat you take what the defense gives you if the first route's covered. But like, what kind of play are you calling? Who's your first option? 
I mean, I still, I, I think my answer might not change a whole lot with that kind of frame, with that framing. I think, um, if you're keeping it on the ground, I think I'm putting it behind. I'm putting the game on why Davis and Josh Myers. You're keeping it on the ground on first and ten from the 23 yard line. Yeah, no, I'm taking a shot with two timeouts left. I mean, if you're taking a shot, you're, I, I think. Well, my other answer was going to be you see what matchup you get with Garrett Wilson yep. um, out of the slot. But are you or, calling? Um, are you and, calling and a going run vertical play? with him on first and ten from the 23 with 43 seconds left? Are you calling a run? Play? No, I, I no, not on first down. This is the first time you said first down. I said first down before. Okay, I'm not talking short yardage. We're talking so so it's not a, it's about how you're attacking from basically okay. the, the edge of the red zone. So forget the reader's question and just how are you attacking from the yeah. I mean I think I'm looking I'm 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 Here's seeing what kind question. of Don't say forget the reader's question. Forty three seconds to go on Michigan's twenty three yard line. Two timeouts left. What play do we call? That's the question. I'm attacking vertically with Garrett Wilson out of the slot. slot that's my, that's fade. my first read. Yes. Slot fade. Garrett Wilson, we saw a slot fade to K.J. Hill in the Penn State game that worked. I like that call. Nathan, or Steven, what are you thinking about? Um, I'm taking a shot, but I'm not going to Garrett. I'm going to Chris, uh, similar to what they did in the Penn State game, where they Justin just threw it up to Chris and told him, hey, Chris, go be a good wide receiver, and Chris was a good wide receiver, and see what happens. Because at worst, you know, he batted, that, he batted down, it's not picked off, and we're second and ten. I think everything – I think – I would have a, an end zone route for Olave in the corner and a crossing route for Garrett Wilson. And mm-hmm. maybe Olave is the first look, but like if there's safety help over there, then you immediately go down to Garrett Wilson on the move over the middle. And I just really hope they use that a lot. We talked about it a lot in the LSU podcast, how much LSU threw over the middle. And I think that's what LSU would have done. You have a route to Jamar Chase in the end zone and you have Justin Jefferson crossing if the end zone route's not there because you don't have to force it. But you have to give Olave a chance to make a play if he's not absolutely double covered. But but you have that crosser, Garrett Wilson. Not he's not even a check down or an outlet. He's just like a really good other option. I once I got to the 23 yard line in the final minute, would a running back touch the ball? No. Nathan, would a running back touch the ball for you? Again, well, yeah. In the scenario that the reader originally said, where it's third and two. Um, and you need two yards with two timeouts left and all that time left, and now you set up having a whole new set of downs, yeah, I think I would just – I would maybe put the ball on the ground behind Wyde Davis and Josh Myers and let those guys go out, smash a hole, give me those two yards, and now the clock stops with the first down, and now I've got time to set something up and, and reattack with four new downs. So short yardage – so that short yardage option, you – this is interesting because this happened um, – basically in the Big Ten championship game in 2013, where they had a short yardage, it was fourth down, and they could have handed off to Carlos Hyde, but they decided to keep the ball in the hands of Braxton Miller, and he got tackled. Um, and Urban Meyer in that situation wanted to hand the ball in the hands of his best playmaker, and that was the quarterback, not the running back. And that would be the case this year. Justin Fields is your best playmaker. Your running back isn't. Um, so the idea of in a short yardage in that third and two, if we're going to that short yardage part of it now, you are comfortable taking it that the ball is not in Justin Fields' hands. And there are a lot of people that think that Carlos Hyde should have gotten the ball back then, that you I, can't just lean on a dude. you gotta call, you got to call the right play. I, I think that's the – that is an interesting caveat there when you're asking, are you, are you running the ball or are you putting the ball in the running back's hands? That is a different 
answer necessarily. I think I'm still looking at something on kind of that inside zone around those two guys. So I think they might be the second and third best football players on the offense. So in a, in a way you're still, if you, if you Justin Fields is your best playmaker and then you're putting, you're running him behind your two best guys or you're running or you're doing the zone read there, right? You're, you're giving him the option right. to make the read as to what plays. So I think that's still how I would attack a third and two situation. Something on the ground behind those guys, give me those two yards. And now with, 38 seconds left and the clock stops while the chains move. Now I get to kind of reassess how I'm going to attack. You probably call two plays probably going up to the line there, right? Right. Cause then you, you could just shoot mm-hmm. something out to the sideline um, on first down or, um, or I guess maybe it gets even, tricky. I guess it gets tricky if you don't get the third and two, but or use the timeout, the, use the, the timeout there. But hope that hope if you get the first down and you go quick, that the yeah. tempo even keeps them back up. I think you call two plays there. I think you call, we're going to convert this third down, and then here's what we're going to do on first down. And then if they stuff you on third down, you've got to burn one of those two timeouts to set up the play of the, of the, that decides the game. So are you throwing on third and two, Stephen? Then in, in, that part of it, are you throwing on third and two, or are you running on third and two? I think I might throw on third and two because I'm, I'm thinking that they're going to be expecting, you know, I'm going to run and get this first down and try to just keep – you know, just to stop the clock. And I might be able to catch him over top if I go 12 personnel, go under center with it. And I might be able to catch him over, catch him over the top, maybe Jared. And, and because everybody knows we don't use our tight ends, this might be the perfect time to catch a Jerry Rucker wide open over the top. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I, I would have a hard time not having Justin Fields involved in the play, and I'm not sure I would want to put it on his read and the run game. Um, because then – that allows the defense to dictate a little bit because if you just play mm-hmm. it a certain way and it's like, well, if you're doing a, a zone read and and you defend it in a way that it's like, well, you make him hand it off, now the defense decided to put it in Trey Sermon's hands or Master Teague's hands instead of Justin Fields. You didn't decide it. I might run uh, QB power. Like I might just run a version of a QB draw where Justin Fields takes a shotgun snap takes one step backwards and then runs right up Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers' butt. Quick which question. Is what you're saving, saying, Nathan, but I'm not even thinking about my running back. Quick question. I might be wrong, but then, then the question also said he's already been in the tent during this game. That's they true, did, too. But That's if true. he's are on you, the so – Okay, are you, I'm just, are you guys thinking about that when you're making these decisions no. to keep the if ball in, in his the, hands as a runner? I no. think if he's in the game at that point, you have to trust that he can he can do something as as basic as get – these two yards. Um, and I, I think I, I, I would push back a little bit on the interpretation that when you run the zone read, you're only ending up with what the, the, the defense is dictating what happens there. I think you are, you potentially are executing on the vulnerability that the defense has shown there. Well, but the idea is if you really want Justin Fields to run it, you shouldn't run a zone read, right? Because if he's, if you're going to run a zone read, but he's actually not reading it and he's just yeah. going to keep it, then I'd rather have the running back be a blocker and be a lead blocker and run. Yeah, power, I, 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 could, run I, agree. I guess I could see that. I, I guess I could see that option, but I, that's why I'm saying that um, th- th- it just gives you the option. I don't, I don't think at this point, and maybe, I mean, if Trey Sermon has a 1400 yard season, then the answer would be different. I don't want it in Trey Sermon's hands. No. I want it in Justin Fields hands, whether Justin Fields is throwing it or running it. That's who I want to have it. A year ago, I would have said, put it in J.K. Dobbins' hands. Or I would have said, four, you know, five years ago, put it in Ezekiel Elliott's hands. Just with everything we've talked about with the running back, I don't 
I don't want to put the season on my running back, even if I believe in Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis. Um, I don't want Justin Fields to be an observer at that point. That's how much I believe in Justin Fields, even if he's been in the injury tent. And I'm open to a pass. I'm open to what you said, Stephen, where you do 12 personnel, you get under center. We've seen them hit defenses with that. But I'm also open to just staying in shotgun and letting Justin Fields decide who's open. And then if nobody's open, then he runs, which might be the most dangerous thing of all. Um, but it's just, Nathan, do you believe that you can be capable of leaning too hard on a player rather than the play call and that being like Justin Fields or bust in that situation could lead you down the wrong path, even though he's good? Uh, I don't think you can go wrong relying on the best player on your team. I, I mean, it, I mean, to some, he's the quarterback. It, it, he's going to be involved in the play. I mean, it, in theory, he's involved in the play, even if he's handing it off to Trey Sermon. So um, I, I don't think you can go wrong asking the best player on your team to make the play. And that's, but that's part of the other reason why, again, I was kind of doing the math of like, well, who do I, who do you trust second and third most play in, play out to do their job at an elite level on this offense? And I still think the answer is number two, White Davis, number three, Josh Myers right now. Which I think is smart. And I think I'd run Justin Fields behind them, even if it's, even if it looks like the wing T and it's just weird. And it's just like, you're just ramming Justin Fields into the line of scrimmage. It's like, yeah, a glorified sneak. Yeah whether it's out of under center or the shotgun. I mean, I think you could almost run us at third and two. You could almost run a sneak and be like, is that guy yeah. going to have enough power to push the pile two yards behind Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers? Yeah, I think, I think you might, but, um, but it's weird, but they kept the ball in Braxton Miller's hands. Jeff Hyerman missed a block. Braxton Miller got tackled and they didn't go to the national championship game. I so, will say kind of to play off of Steven's idea though, if you to, to line Justin Fields up under center right there, and with a, you know, a single back or you're putting in double tight, you know, you make it look like a run and then hit Ruckert over the middle um, when you draw the defense up. I think that's really interesting right there. But and it just doesn't leave you as many options on fourth down. And Steven, that would be the defense is being like, well, we got to stop Justin Fields. We got to stop Justin Fields. Yeah. And all of a sudden they forget to cover Jeremy Ruckert or Luke mm-hmm. Farrell sneaking out. Yeah, that's the idea. Now, yeah, it's to, to Nathan's point, it is risky because if it doesn't work, then yeah, it's fourth and two. Yeah, I like it. Um, I, I would do anything other than give it to the running back. But but I would also be comfortable enough. And, and I guess, like, in, in terms of go-to short yardage, the thing that I made fun of over the years is I think they're going to have to do some more Justin Fields QB draw, QB power, which they lived on with JT Barrett time and time again. Um, I think they're going to have to do that this year. I just it just would seem crazy to me to be lining up all season and on short yardage, just being like, okay, Marcus Crowley, Master Teague, Trey Sermon, go to work. Or Nathan, would you, would you be totally comfortable handing off to a running back in a lot of those situations, not just in Michigan in the final minute, but game in and game out, because it's not that you're necessarily believing in the running back, it's that you're believing in the offensive line. I, I have that kind of belief in this offensive line, yes. And I think that offensive line, I think Ohio State has to establish someone else running the ball besides Justin Fields this season. It can't achieve what it wants to achieve this year if it doesn't. Somebody, it ha- they have to keep defenses honest beyond the passing game and Justin Fields running the ball. Um, and I think they can do that, not necessarily having anything to do 
with the the top end talent of those guys in the backfield. I think it, it does kind of come down to this offensive line. I think on the, the balance of this schedule, they'll be able to move the ball against a lot of those defenses, regardless of who they're handing it off to. All right, situations are fun. Maybe we'll do some more of that down the line. So thanks to the 419 for that question. That's thanks a great to, question. Thanks. So, I mean, it's just funny because it, it makes you – it's almost like with Market Down Monday, Nathan. Like it makes you really zone in on like what you really think about stuff because it's really a broad picture. It's a, but it's a more interesting way to ask who do you trust more with the game on the line, you know, the passing game or the running game. It, like it really makes you answer that question but in like a more interesting way. So um, – that was fun. So thanks to you guys for sending in questions. Thanks for text subscribing, 614-350-3315. Mark it down Monday. We'll be here on Monday, the Monday podcast. Nathan, you want to tease what the question is for Mark yeah, it it's Monday? Yeah, uh, it's, it's going back to just the one player, just a just one answer, who, who you got. So uh, the texters out there, you subscribers, you guys already saw the question. We asked for your feedback, um, hopefully responded because you're hearing this on Friday, the day we are recording Market Down Monday. But um, so, yeah, that it's going to be just a just a who you got. Give us your answer. You can throw a number on top of that, too, because it's kind of a statistical question. Um, and then also teasing on to uh, next week, we resume the um, team by team schedule preview for the coming season. And um, uh, Chad Lestikow from the Des Moines Register um, guy I used to work with in the, the greater Gannett family is coming on to talk about the Hawkeyes of Iowa. And we know we haven't, we didn't do one this week, but we still have the position breakdowns. Uh, we've done linebackers. We have a lot more position groups to do. We'll keep sprinkling those in. Um, so thanks to everybody who's a new listener. Thanks to everybody who's an old listener. Uh, thanks to everyone reading cleveland.com slash OSU. Thanks to all the tech subscribers. And we'll talk to you on Monday for now. For Nathan and Steven, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>